Hello, and welcome to Partially Redacted, a podcast where we discuss privacy and security engineering and related topics. I'm your host, Sean Faulkner, and today I'm joined by Pramod Raghavendran, Director of Privacy and Data Protection at Coinbase, and we'll be talking about operationalizing a privacy program. Pramod, welcome to the show. Thank you, Sean. I'm excited to be here. Yes, awesome. Thanks for joining us. Uh, you know, we've ha- been fortunate to have a, a great variety of experts on the show since we launched back in September. But you're really, I think, the first person we've had on that comes from an engineering background, but has also found their way into privacy. And you know, you've worked as a developer, solutions engineer, technical program manager, engineering manager prior to privacy. Basically, you're on the gambit of all engineering roles I think you could have within an organization. But I'd love to hear more about your background, you know, your education, and how you ended up where you are today. Yeah. Um- well, to start from the beginning, I was born and uh, uh, grew up in India, where I did my bachelor's in commerce. Uh, after that, went to Australia, uh, Melbourne specifically, to do my master's in information technology. It was always a childhood passion of mine to work close to computers, so I guess uh, that was what I was uh, getting there. Fell in love with Australia and stayed there, uh, started my career working as an engineer, grew the ranks, and uh, kind of uh, began to lead organizational-wide engineering projects as well. Uh, I I typically worked within the insurance wealth management kind of uh, space. Along the way, I'd, I'd worked in consulting environments for product companies, for services companies as well. So got that that entire uh, plethora of uh, opportunities going too. And then in 2015, one, one fine evening, I just got a call to say, hey, would you consider working for Amazon in Seattle. Um, I said, yeah, I'm open to a conversation. And then one thing led to the other. And three weeks later, uh, I had an opportunity to come across the hemispheres and work in Seattle. The The only uh, thing I had to check on was, does it snow in Seattle? I checked that. The answer was rarely. And I was like, okay, I can do this. So I guess that started my journey into some of the big tech companies, Amazon to start with, uh, where uh, advertising uh, was the was a domain I was operating within and privacy was the specialization. I was new to both advertising and privacy, but just happened to fall in love with it uh, at, at the time. It was 2015, GDPR was just about starting to come on the anvil there. Um, and advertising and privacy have uh, a very close connection. Lots happening in that space. So I think the intersection of those two things gave me sufficiently interesting challenges that uh, that, that excited me that I've made a career out of it. After that, I uh, spent about a year in Google, uh, wanted to learn something new. Google Cloud was uh, my, my foray into learning that space. And now obviously Coinbase with uh, everything to do with blockchain and uh, crypto. I guess uh, in my mind, privacy is still in its infancy as a, as a body of knowledge. Blockchain, crypto, still very much in its infancy, and at the intersection, lots of problems to solve for, and that's what brought me to Coinbase. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, you've really worked across a, you know a lot of different types of uh, products that relate to privacy, from advertising the cloud to now you know the work that you're doing at Coinbase. You know, you mentioned this idea that you you know fell in love with privacy. What was it in particular that kind of made you you know fall in love with that area? Yeah, I think. Um, to start with, it gives me the opportunity to think about the customer all the time. 
ultimately privacy is solving for the customer. Um, I get to wear that hat. It gets me closer to the customer. Um, and uh, that's what uh, kind of kindled that passion about privacy itself. I'm, a, I'm an end customer for a lot of different products. Um, so that's one, one specific aspect. And I guess the second is we're living in an era where data is the new oil, right? There's, uh, there's this data uh, being collected, processed, used across the board, and that's not going to change anytime soon. So as uh, data starts to get collected and get used for new and innovative ways, the, the constant evolution there in the product lifecycle means that there's so many new challenges to, to solve for. There's always something new uh, to solve for when it comes to data. Um, and add to that the fact that regulations are evolving constantly. You have a new regulation in every state, country, uh, name it, and, and, and it's evolving. And everything is nuanced, uh, slightly different from what previously existed. Uh, products are evolving as well, new ways of using data. Compute and fundamental computing is, is, is changing some of the assumptions we made uh, decades ago in terms of uh, what is possible, what is not possible from a, from a compute perspective. So I think the, the fact that a lot is changing means that privacy gives you a new challenge to solve for almost every day. And that's what uh, keeps me interested every day and wakes me up from bed. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, there there is a huge, you know, just spectrum. And even, you know, looking back on the people that we've had on the show so far, they come from a huge spectrum of, of backgrounds as well. And they kind of all bring their own unique perspective and they're working on their own specific areas of, of privacy. And it shows how big an evolving space this is. So I think there's probably something that keeps, you know, everybody, you know, interested and engaged if, if, if uh, you know, something like privacy piques their interest. So you mentioned this you know, you started at Amazon, I think, in 2015, and you also mentioned about how we're still sort of in, in the infancy of privacy. But what have you seen change in privacy throughout your career, perhaps both from sort of a technology perspective and maybe also from an operational perspective? Yeah, um, I think a lot has changed um, and, and a lot of it has changed for the good. Um, a few perspectives there, right? I'll start with a customer perspective. Um, data continues to be used uh, and sometimes abused, I'd say, in a lot of enterprises in, in, in terms of what happens with the data. Uh, but along with uh, that, I think from a customer standpoint, the understanding of privacy or the awareness related to privacy has grown significantly. Uh, I would say GDPR played a very key role in uh, in raising the profile of privacy across the board that people at least have awareness. Um, I wouldn't say everyone understands data privacy uh, well enough. Uh, we still live in the era of a wall of text being the privacy notice, but uh, ultimately I think the awareness is there. So that has significantly changed for the better. Um, and I think the, the other perspective is the regulatory perspective. Um, regulations are increasing, um, as we've seen, GDPR, then CCPA, and then now uh, you, you take any four combination of alphabets and you'll find a regulation almost uh, across the globe there. So there's, the amount of regulation is increasing. But the most important part of that is the penalties that come with these regulations are now so big that privacy has been elevated to a mainstream topic in boardrooms. Right, so I think I think that that elevation of privacy into being front and center of leadership's uh, conversations is is a significant change that has happened since the time that I've been involved in privacy. Um, and some of these regulations are iterating quickly to fix gaps in their previous versions. 
right? We're, we're, we're seeing California as an example. CCPA um, came up in a very short span of time. They realized that it had some gaping holes and now CPRA is coming in with a more consolidated uh, uh, approach to, to kind of solve for privacy more holistically. So I think that's changing where regulations are not get it in place, uh, it stays forever, but let's learn from it, let's iterate, and then let's enforce as well. Um, as a result of these external pressures that you see from regulators, from customers, I think organizations are reacting to it as well. And they are evolving how they are uh, uh, responding to privacy. I think in the early days, privacy was more of a legal function uh, or, or a compliance function. Let's check the boxes, let's have a privacy notice and, and we should be good. But things have evolved from there to privacy becoming much closer to engineering and product. Um, in fact, you'll see a lot of investment happening in the privacy engineering space, and you'll see a lot of products emerging in the in the in the, in the privacy tech space as well. So I think that evolution has happened over the last um, seven to eight years as well. And finally, as an employee or as a professional working in the privacy space, uh, I think there's been a lot of change there too. Privacy as a career option is a lot more mainstream. Uh, you even have um, university courses now that. Uh, that, that that give you degrees uh, related to privacy, privacy engineering. And there's lots of um, mainstream uh, courses, training material that's available and privacy engineering is an advertised role type these days. So I think that has come a long way as well from, from the early days of 2015 when I got involved. Yeah, and I'd love to see that trend, that educational trend continue where you know everybody graduating with a computer science degree at least has some you know, exposure to privacy engineering at some point in their, in their coursework, because I think that will help also address some of the, you know, challenges that happen in industry, the push and pull that happens maybe between the privacy engineering organization and the regular software engineering organization. So, you, you mentioned this idea of this growth and awareness of privacy. Do you think that part of that has, you know, privacy very much, uh, you know, personal privacy is very much like a cultural issue, different cultures uh, think about their own personal privacy in different ways. And I think one of the things that's unique over the last you know decade or so is we have these huge global companies now that aren't just addressing people in you know the country of origin where they started, like in the United States, but now they're operating all over the world. And has that the fact that they're now touching people all over the world, uh, collecting data about people all over the world where you know different citizens will have different sort of cultural aspect of thinking about their own personal privacy, has that forced essentially this growth in regulation as well as this growth of awareness and privacy. Do you think there's some connection there? Yeah, I think there is. I think there is a connection. There always is. Uh, whether that's a direct connection or not, I think is debatable, right? If you really think about it, the fact that cultural uh, uh, differences exist has resulted in how certain products, features, or changes have, uh, have been uh, consumed by uh, customers, right? A classic example is WhatsApp, uh, when they changed their privacy notice. Uh, India, which is where I originally come from, there was a lot of bad press about the fact that WhatsApp uh, was now going to deal with data in ways that are detrimental to uh, end customers. Uh, a lot of it was not well-founded because it was just uh, hearsay and, uh, and a lot of propaganda going around. But culturally, that's what became the norm people started to believe that WhatsApp was doing all these wrong things to the extent that uh, at the time, Facebook had to come in 
launch a huge campaign in terms of uh, uh, starting to rebuild that trust, rebuild the messaging around what actually is happening in WhatsApp, what is not happening in WhatsApp. So I think cultural differences definitely have have uh, raised awareness overall, sometimes for the better, sometimes to the detriment as well. But I think in the end, it started to spin its wheels, right? It'll start to get, 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 get better. Uh, knowledge will grow. Understanding of privacy will improve over a period of time as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. And then, you know, you meant because of this, you know, growth and awareness, and then of course the, you know, ever-changing regulatory landscape, have you seen a trend for companies to start focusing on privacy earlier in their life cycle than maybe you previously encountered? Yes. Um, a lot of companies typically still, even today, tend to be very reactive when it comes to privacy, but there's that ever so slight shift towards the left, if you will, that's happening, right? So um, if you take CCPA as an example, perhaps an average company would have uh, started looking at it three months before it it came into effect. But now with CPRA, chances are they're looking at it six months before it it came into effect. So I think um, organizations are definitely starting to take credence a little bit earlier in the the life cycle of uh, when they need to react and respond. Internally as well, in terms of their processes, because these regulations are kind of coming in uh, almost every six months, there's something or the other coming in, uh, they've ingrained that into their product development life cycles to start thinking about privacy uh, earlier in the cycle than as an afterthought. So both of those things are happening, but I still feel like a large percentage of organizations are still solving for privacy as a compliance consideration check a box, right? Um, I've been asked by these regulations to do X, Y, and Z. I'm going to do X, Y, and Z in the most efficient manner. Check, 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 done. Um, I still feel like there's a huge amount of growth for organizations to do to move beyond privacy being a compliance consideration and thinking about it as a product differentiator or a customer trust consideration. Yeah, so how do we get out of this mindset of treating privacy like as a compliance issue or, or something that needs to be checked off on some sort of uh, you know, checklist? Yeah, I think it's a cultural mindset shift that, that needs to be driven uh, internally, right? Um, there still remains um, a fallacy within a lot of organizations that privacy is owned by the team that sits in the corner labeled as the privacy team right? Unfortunately, that's not the case. Privacy is uh, is a shared responsibility of everybody in the organization. Uh, in fact, I'd say I'd argue that product and engineering teams own more of the privacy than any other team because they're the ones closest to the customer. They're the ones closest to the data that is being collected and processed. Um, so I think ingraining that, that culture in terms of bringing that shared understanding of privacy across uh, the, the organization is the first step towards starting to get them to think about privacy beyond just regulations. Uh, you, you take a regulation and expectations of a regulation to an engineer, they're like, no, I want to think about this from a customer and a technology standpoint, right? So, and they're able to think about it from a technology and a customer standpoint only if they understand the foundations of privacy. What does trust mean? How does data use uh, hamper customers' privacy? Uh, what are some of their rights? How should we uh, think about uh, what control choice mechanisms that, that customers should have? So I think education and building culture within the organization is the first step towards starting to think about privacy more as a, as a differentiator or a trust consideration. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, for newer companies that 
you know, perhaps a startup that needs to start a privacy program, you know, who should they be looking to hire? Because obviously there's, you know, they, there's a, a lot of, you know, characteristics and skills that go into being a great privacy leader, uh, building and operationalizing a privacy program from scratch. But also you might have to come in and kind of teach the culture of privacy to the company as well. So that's a really unique set of skills. Yeah. Um, a lot of organizations still kind of um, initiate their privacy function within the legal function. Uh, I'm a strong believer that that's not the right way, especially for a startup to uh, begin solving for privacy. I think uh, establishing this function closer to the product and engineering is going to give you a lot of payback in the in the short term as well as the long term for for the reasons that we just talked about, right? Closest to the customer, uh, that's where a lot of the data is, is is being dealt with. So that is where I would look for skills in the privacy product intersection space. Specific skills for a privacy leader, um, I think somebody who's an expert in the privacy domain for sure has has that uh, understanding of uh, strong privacy f- fundamentals is is completely essential um, they should be a very strong technology uh, practitioner as well i think privacy is at its core is in data how data transits how data is used so understanding the technological aspects of that is is going to be super important uh, i think they need to be uh, extremely strong at communication if you really think about a privacy function, it sits in the middle, surrounded by a bunch of uh, very diverse set of stakeholders. Product and engineering on the on, on the one side, but you've got marketing, you've got biz dev, you've got public relations, you've got legal, who understand less of the technology and the product aspects, right? So you're sitting in the middle there translating conversations between these disparate groups of stakeholders. So being a very effective and strong communicator is going to be super important. And, And finally, I think privacy outcomes are less science. Uh, and, and a lot of art as well. Uh, regulations, if you notice, they're very uh, framework-based. You need to interpret it. You need to apply it. There's a lot of judgment involved. So a privacy leader would need to be somebody that comes with uh, a good judgment, high judgment uh, individual that can then uh, make some of the tough decisions, uh, have have good uh, trade-off conversations with the business to be able to land on what's the right thing from a customer standpoint and from an organization standpoint. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And imagine you mentioned, you know, being a good technology practitioner, that's probably really helpful if you're sitting, you know, sort of in the product and engineering organization so that you can build trust, have in-depth conversations with those people. But then, as you mentioned, you also have to be a really strong communicator so that you can have these cross-functional communications with the other functional areas of the company. And, and you know, something that we've talked about previously on the show is the idea that something like privacy is, uh, you know, touches every facet of the business. It's not something, it's not a feature. It's not, you know, sole owner. It needs to be part of the cultural identity of the company to do it really well. And that means everybody needs to understand the importance of it and kind of be understanding the vision of it and why we need to, you know, be privacy champions and you know, kind of be shifting that things to the left um, when it comes to, you know, design of products and other, other types of uh, investments we might be pay- making as an organization. Absolutely. Yeah, I think I think that's that's essentially it. Um, getting into the, the, the culture, uh, bringing privacy into the ethos of the organizational thinking is uh, is going to be essential. So any privacy leader should think of that, about that as their primary responsibility. 
Sorry for the interruption, folks, but I just had a few quick reminders. If you're enjoying this episode, please hit the subscribe button so you can always get the latest episode and help others discover the show by leaving a rating and review in your favorite podcast app. It really helps. Last thing before I get you back to the interview, if you are interested in the topics discussed in this podcast, then you should definitely, definitely join the Partially Redacted community at skyflow.com community. There you can meet other interesting and like-minded individuals like yourself, share your expertise, or just passively engage, totally up to you. All right, now back to the show. So if you were you know, joining a new company today to essentially build their privacy program, what's your first you know, 30 days look like? Well, I think um, there's obviously going to be the cliched things that you would do in any new job, which is start to build your relationship, start to understand the product and those sorts of things. But if you talk about specifically from a privacy standpoint, I think the single most important thing that I've found out is calibrating yourself uh, to how the organization is thinking about privacy. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll lay out a spectrum, right? Uh, this is a spectrum that I think exists within organizations, uh, either inherently or, or just uh, an, an, an understood spectrum. On the one end is organizations that don't care about privacy. They think of it as a bare minimum, put a privacy policy up, boom, be done with it. And as you shift on that spectrum, the next is organizations that think about privacy as a compliance requirement. We'll, we'll do everything that we need to comply. We'll check a box and call it done. And other organizations that, that are further along that maturity curve uh, elevate beyond compliance and start to think about uh, customer trust. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be required to do things by certain regulations, but how should I think about privacy from a customer standpoint? How should I solve on behalf of the customer to make sure we are earning their trust, retaining their trust, we are, we are managing their reasonable expectations? And, and finally, the, the, the most mature organizations are perhaps the ones on the other end of that spectrum where they're thinking about product differentiation or even advocacy. For that, for that matter, right? To to go and bring about a change in the industry in terms of how we think uh, privacy should be handled, how trust should be handled, is the other end of that spectrum. So, as a privacy leader, in the first thirty days, I think it's super important to figure out where an organization is along that spectrum, and more importantly, where does the organization want to go in the near term, medium term, and long term. Because that essentially gives the privacy leader the compass in terms of where to focus energies on, um, how to invest uh, your your team's uh, bandwidth on, and, and how to think about solving for that problem. It's probably really important to have those conversations as part of the interview process too, as you're, you know, if you're thinking about joining an organization, making sure that the leaders of that organization are aligned philosophically with your views on privacy and where you want to take you know that program as well. I imagine. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I think interviews do give you uh, a bunch of that intel, but a lot of that can be the 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 sales speak, if you will, as well. So going in the first thirty days, getting a real first-hand take of uh, where things are at, understanding who within the organization are are allies from a privacy standpoint. How do you navigate yourself? And then that gives you a, a lot of uh, uh, inputs in terms of how you want to establish your program, where do you want to focus first, and then kind of uh, get going operationally that program. 
Yeah, and you mentioned the idea, I think, of the, you know, the really sort of visionary companies are the ones that are the leaders in the space thinking of, uh, you know, privacy as a product differentiator. So do you think, you know, is that the direction that a lot of companies should be thinking about is they should be prioritizing privacy, not only because it's the right thing to do, but also it's a way to differentiate your product offering from other people? Yeah, um, I don't think product differentiation uh, from a privacy standpoint is for everybody, right? Because it comes at a cost. It it, it comes at um, uh, at a huge amount of investment as well. Um, so yes, absolutely. I think product differentiation is definitely uh, worthy uh, to to aim for. But it depends on where an organization is, what they want to uh, achieve as well. If you take an example, uh, if there's a startup uh, coming up in the healthcare space privacy becomes table stakes at that stage, right? It's super important from day zero that you need to have a high bar for privacy. Whereas if you have uh, a variety of other services where perhaps personal data is, 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 is a minuscule of what you deal with, privacy is not so important. So privacy differentiation need not be a goal uh, that you need to achieve. So I think you need to calibrate based on the problem space you're operating in, the domain you're operating in, and the organizational uh, uh, where is the organization right at that at, at that time uh, from a maturity standpoint? Uh, but if you really think about it, privacy becoming more mainstream has led to some very positive outcomes. Um, every vendor RFI or RFP asks privacy questions. How do you deal with privacy? Have you had uh, a breach in the recent past? Uh, do you have a privacy function? How many people are in that privacy function? So privacy is definitely a differentiator. It is it is a, a point of decision that, that a lot of enterprises make. Um, so um, that is an important aspect. We've seen the big uh, examples of Apple, right? Apple has huge billboards in Vegas talking about privacies from time to time. They have, they have pivoted the industry, uh, especially in the advertising space and the app store space to kind of be completely based on privacy. They, they talk about processing data on the device and not taking it to the server side. And that's differentiation from a privacy standpoint. So their marketing message is very much oriented around privacy, right? Uh, as, as one of the pillars of their overall product. So we've seen examples like that. There are other emerging examples as well. In the browser space, obviously the, there's, there's adoption with, uh, with, with the Chromes and the Safaris of the world. But if you look at Brave, it's a browser that's come up fundamentally to solve for privacy. It, it wants to keep customers' data more private, but while enabling the, the rich web experiences that, that we are so used to these days. Uh, search is another example, right? Google um, uses a lot of uh, the, the search data for, for ads, but Neva is a startup that has sprung up uh, to, to, to provide a subscription-based search service where privacy is their fundamental promise. Right, so you're starting to see, uh, still in its infancy, a lot of products emerge where privacy is being thought of as the fundamental differentiator. And I think we'll see a lot more of this happen uh, increasingly in the, in, the, in the coming decade or so. Yeah, and of course, there's a lot of this development as well in like the messaging space in both peer-to-peer -peer and business-to-consumer messaging. So what does it mean to operationalize a privacy program and how do you go about actually operationalizing a company's privacy program? Well, I think any any program when you need to operationalize it, 
broadly has three three uh, facets to it, right? It's it's the people, the process, and the technology that that comes with it. Um, so I guess just focusing on those three things are going to be super important. But the privacy specific things, um, I think every privacy program needs to operate in two modes. One is a reactive mode and the other is a proactive mode. The reactive mode is you you have little or no notice about what's coming your way, but you need to respond to it. For example, Apple launched their uh, ATT uh, tracking uh, restrictions. Companies had three months to go and conform with it uh, initially. Nobody knew that Apple was going to do something like that and implemented a particular way. You need to react to it. Um, in, in other instances, you've got to be proactive. This is where the more mature organizations are thinking about trust. They're, they're thinking about how their organization uh, is processing data, getting a data map together, etc. So I think needing to solve for both the reactive and proactive aspects is going to be important to operationalizing a program. If we take an instance where an organization does not have a privacy program, and uh, if I was tasked to uh, instantiate one there, I would primarily focus on the reactive side of things because that's the more existential side of things. Establish that 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 reactive function, your ability to react to uh, stimuli, uh, new regulation, uh, change, a product team wanting to do something new and wanting guidance from a privacy standpoint. So privacy assessments as a core mechanism, as a core process, as a core function, set that up. Incident management, right? Um, incidents can happen anytime so what happens if an incident happens how do you how do you detect how do you how do you respond and then how do you remedy incidents so these are some of the fundamental things i would initially set up uh, from an operationalization perspective uh, that's going to do two things one is it's going to stop the bleeding within the organization because you're starting to build some walls around the organization in terms of uh, what what can go wrong the second thing and the more important thing it's going to do is give you a lot of intel in terms of what is the lay of the land within the organization? How is privacy being dealt with? Where are some of the hotspots for privacy? And that allows you to decide on some of the proactive investments that you can make over a period of time. Um, so then I would uh, go into s establishing some of the proactive functions, which, which kind of um, starts with building a data map. Build a catalog of what data is being processed. Um, how is that data classified? What type of data is it? What is it used for? How does data transition across the enterprise? And how does it leave the enterprise to third-party vendor solutions? How does data come in from vendor solutions? Just understanding that end-to-end -end view, because that's going to be a foundational piece to be able to react. So let's build that proactively. Let's get that foundational understanding in there. And then as you continue to mature the program, that's when I would, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> uh, uh, that's when I would start to think about some of the more uh, mature aspects of operationalizing a program, which is bringing engineering considerations into the place. How can we start introducing engineering? From a variety of perspectives, right? Um, engineering could, could uh, deal with a lot of frameworks that you build primitive services where privacy is available out of the box so that uh, engineers can just adopt and then get privacy out of the box for uh, a lot of the stuff that they work with. Um, it, it could also be building compliance tooling 
which helps you detect, prevent, and respond to violations, both to regulations or to internal policies, or just to organizational considerations in terms of how you don't want to do uh, bad things with data. So investing in, uh, in, in engineering solutions would be the next step that I would embark on as I continue to operationalize and mature uh, a, a privacy program. Finally, obviously, there's, there's a strategic aspect to it as well. How can privacy have a seat at the table when uh, product vision or organizational vision is being established, right? How do you think about advocacy efforts in the industry? Um, how do you start uh, going out there and creating differentiation in the industry based on what you do? So these are some of the, the really more, more mature stuff that uh, you'd get to uh, towards the end after you've done some of the other steps, the reactiveness, the proactiveness, uh, and the engineering aspects of it. Uh, yeah, there's a lot to a lot to unpack there. That was an yes. amazing response. Um, going back to what you talked about at the beginning, this idea of initially investing and building out the reactive function, is that going to be you know a different uh, set of hires than maybe is part of their proactive function, or are these going to be eventually sort of the same uh, same type of people that are maybe doing both uh, functional areas? Um. I think anybody in a privacy role would would basically have three strong uh, areas of skills. They are the privacy skills, which is core and important to operating in privacy. There are program skills, and then there's technical skills. I think any role in privacy is just going to be a different mix of these three skills. So when it comes to privacy assessments, um, these these teams typically work very closely with product and engineering teams. So with a strong privacy background, I'd expect that they have a strong technology suite as well. The, the understanding of technology to be much higher when they're working in a reactive uh, space. When you're working in a proactive space, you sometimes have the ability to uh, to bring in some alternate skills, people coming in from the risk perspective, people coming in from the compliance perspective. So they bring that program aspect to uh, to, the, to their skill set, perhaps a little less of the technology perspective because you can lean on engineers, you can lean on your reactive teams to kind of operate in that space there. So, so I think ultimately it's those three core skills but you need to find a right balance so that you have uh, you, you have complementary skills within the overall privacy function itself. Mm-hmm. And you know, you mentioned also the you know introduction of engineering solutions and the idea of um, eventually privacy being part of sort of the product vision stage. So how do you go about making privacy a design kit iteration so that companies adopt sort of the shift left process for privacy? Yeah. Um, I'd go back to culture, right? I think uh, embedding privacy as part of the culture within an organization is going to make it uh, so much easier to to become front and center of everybody's uh, day-to-day work. Right? You want your product manager who's deciding, who's, who's, who's defining the next product or the next feature to be aware of and think about privacy. You want your engineer who's going to build the next data pipeline to be aware of privacy. And the only way to do that is to embed privacy within the culture. Uh, training is a super important aspect of achieving that, that cultural change. Um, what I have done um, in the past and I continue to do is Everywhere I establish a privacy function, the first thing I do is set up a mission for the 
organization, set up a set of principles. Once these are done, um, it, it's about doing a roadshow, going to all the product and engineering teams, walking them through what that means, why is that important, and how are we operationalizing some of those principles, and how are we achieving those those missions, the, that mission. It, it also is about educating them about the support that they have from my team as a privacy operational team, from the privacy legal teams in terms of uh, uh, getting their privacy outcomes uh, understood and, and delivered. The moment you do some of these fundamental things, it starts to bring alignment across the organization. Everyone's thinking about, okay, I have a privacy mission. I, I don't want to be the one that's left uh, out of that mission, right? I want to be uh, in line with the privacy principles of the organization. That starts to spin the wheels in terms of getting privacy front and center of, of conversations. I think once that happens, that shift left automatically kind of uh, begins. Um, it's, it's not enough to stop at that. Uh, with that, I, I think you need to mature your privacy operation to be able to support that shift left as well. When you have shift left, the, the, time, the, the type of uh, ambiguity you deal with much earlier in the phase is going to be much higher. So your mechanisms, your processes, your tools need to be able to deal with that ambiguity. Um, some of the decision-making uh, is, is also a lot more ambiguous. Uh, uh, the trade-offs are very different when you make some decisions much early on. So super different. Uh, so maturing the program to be able to deal with some of those, those uh, introduced ambiguities because of uh, thinking about privacy much earlier have to come along as well. If, if those don't come along, the fact that culture and people are thinking about privacy will fall flat. So I think it's going to be that that partnership between product and engineering teams and the privacy operations team, both working in 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 concert to kind of shift things left. That's going to be important. So in summary, I'd say culture training, and then focus on the mechanisms and the frameworks to be able to deal with privacy as you continue to shift left. Yeah, and imagine you know the combination of developing this mission, doing the road show, show bringing in product and engineering sort of to, into the process and making the line on it also helps navigate the potential challenges that you might have with the pro, uh, privacy program where engineering and product kind of see it as a blocker for them to do their job versus something that's actually value add. Absolutely. Yes. I think that's, 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 that's well put. That's an important part of uh, shifting left in an organization. So as a company scales and everything is kind of moving really fast, and I'm sure this is you know very true at a lot of fast-moving startups, how does you go about ensuring that privacy isn't something that kind of gets pushed aside in favor for you know shipping the product quickly? Um, yeah, I think um, having a seat at the table is super important, especially when it comes to product conversations, engineering conversations. Um, so I would make sure that privacy as a function is organizationally closely aligned with product and engineering, if not reporting through product and engineering. That's the first step, right? The, the moment you do that, it's the same leaders in the organization that are responsible for product outcomes, engineering outcomes that are also responsible for privacy outcomes. The moment you align those two things together, the, the chances are you'll always think about privacy as part of your product and engineering outcomes as well. So I think that's that's one way to do it, where you have the ability to establish that privacy operations program closer to the product and engineering organizations. Um, the other thing to do is to invest in engineering. Privacy in a lot of organizations is still looked at as a, as a tax. 
right? Privacy teams, security teams, historically, they're looked at as the office of no. They're looked at as blockers. So I think changing that culture is super important. And the way you can change that is through making smart investments. How do you build privacy into the framework? How do you build primitive services that that give you privacy out of the box? Uh, in fact, if you if if you look around today, there there aren't too many solutions or products that operate in some of the privacy primitives. You talk about data localization. You talk about uh, identity solutions. Uh, great to see Skyflow operating in the that PII vault space, right? Which is an emerging space to 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 kind of uh, solve for. Anonymization, pseudonymization are fundamental things that 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 there aren't reusable tools that can just be deployed and 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 uh, you can achieve outcomes there. Uh, dealing with sensitive data, location data, don't have primitives there. There's a lot that could be done there as well. So I think um, Thinking about these investments and investing in engineering solutions um, in, in these areas is going to help product and engineering teams see privacy as less of a blocker and more of a partner where um, engineers continue to be able to focus on delivering value to customers without having to worry about some of the baseline privacy considerations. So I think that's that's a couple of things that I would do to make sure that privacy remains front and center in organizations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, we've talked about this before on the program. Like I think at the, um, for most engineers and, and product leaders, they do care about, you know, privacy and security and they want to do the right thing. They just don't always know how to do that. And they don't always have, like you mentioned, the tools at their disposal to actually even do that, to do those things. Or they might be sort of unaware of the things that they should be doing. Yeah. Absolutely. I think uh, empowering your product and engineering teams uh, is going to be pillar number one for privacy operations program. Mm -hmm. And then how do you go about scaling a privacy program as a, you know, a company scales? Um, interestingly, I've had to do this in multiple organizations. Every organization is unique in, in their uh, way to scale, right? But I think uh, if, if I were to talk about a, a formula to scale, there's there's a couple of things that, that I would think about. The first is, invest in engineering. Engineering is the only way to ensure that you're scaling privacy from multiple dimensions. The first thing is you're scaling it from an automation perspective because um, you're, you're getting things out of the box, which means your, your compliance burden is going to reduce because you're getting a lot of things out of the box. The second thing is you're scaling because you're growing engineering and product teams don't need to focus a large percentage of their time on plumbing and privacy fundamentals. What they're focusing on is adding value to customers and the fringe privacy things that really require dedicated uh, dedicated solutions. Um, and the third is automation makes sure that privacy programs don't have to grow linearly with product and engineering, which is often a big pain point in organizations when funding becomes a question, right? Um, so finding mechanisms to sublinearly scale along with your broader organization is super important to the long-term success of your privacy program. Um, having invested in engineering, the other thing I would do is focus your operations part of the, the program on two dimensions. One is jurisdictional. Uh, we see a lot of emerging privacy regulations across the globe, right? EU, 
uh, UK is uh, coming up with its own GDPR. And then you've got APAC where Japan, Singapore, Australia, India, they all have uh, either privacy regulations in place that are evolving or emerging privacy regulations. Um, the Americas have, have their own as well. So specializing on the jurisdictional uh, dimension is important so you can provide specialized support you can provide localized support to, to to teams within there and you can optimize to uh, work on behalf of the customers within those locales you can understand benchmarking you can understand the regulators better uh, and you can also think about cultural differences that we spoke about earlier on the program right so i think that jurisdictional angle is super important and the other dimension is the product dimension solving for privacy is at the at the center of uh, data and its intersection with the product or the, or, the, or the domain that you're looking to use that data for. So having that uh, deep product domain knowledge is also going to be very important. As organizations grow, typically they, they become multi-product organizations or, or even if it's a single product organization, the product footprint is so large that there are different areas of specialization with different privacy considerations. So scaling a team based on products-based specialization is the other dimension. What, that, what this jurisdictional and product wide uh, setup is going to give you is your ability to scale again sublinearly where the two can form a mesh and solve for privacy globally so when when product a needs to launch in five countries you've got a product privacy leader and you've got two or three jurisdictional leaders that can work in consort to go and solve for it if there's a new regulation in a particular jurisdiction that jurisdictional leader can work with each of the product privacy leaders to solve for uh, compliance there across the products so it gives you a really good lever through which you can scale your program elastically uh, through through various demands and needs uh, as things evolve within the organization. That's how I would scale a privacy function. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. I love what you talked about at the beginning, you know, the idea of investing in in the engineering of the organization. You know, I think if you empower engineers to, um, you know, solve complex problems using engineering you know we, they have a track record of being very successful being very motivated and innovative in that space so i think if we can bring privacy uh you know data privacy data security and approach it like an engineering problem there's a lot of like really really innovative things that we can do uh to uh to help address some of those problems from like a fundamental level and then i i really like uh you know what you mentioned about you know jurisdictional um, expertise. I think that's really, really important. You need sort of the diversity aspect of a privacy program so that you can take into account the different cultural aspects as well as just like it's it's a big changing landscape out there and every country now is is coming forth with their own rules and regulations and a lot to try to navigate and have global expertise on. You really need sort of the regional level expertise as well. Yep. So what are sort of the typical roles and responsibilities of a, of a privacy program? Well, a, a traditional privacy program, uh, which is, is focused on risk management, ultimately there is risk that you need to manage. So risk management is an important part of it. Compliance, perhaps the other side of the coin to, to risk is an important uh, part of uh, a successful privacy program. But I think uh, more importantly, a, a privacy program needs to work with the product and engineering teams to maximize the business output while staying uh, on the side of customer trust and uh, compliant with privacy regulations. Uh, 
So it's it's that function that that privacy teams perform. Uh, we are we are enablers. We should be enablers, enabling the business to do what they are setting out to do, while doing it in a compliant and uh, risk-free manner, building trust, retaining trust as well. Um, to be able to do that, I think there are some some skills that um, are typically required uh, as part of the daily uh, roles and responsibilities. And that is being able to communicate through the diverse set of stakeholders that we work with. Understanding product and working with product, understanding what their drivers are, understanding engineering solutions and technology, understanding uh, PR ramifications, right? Working with your public relations team in terms of what is a good message and what is a bad message to avoid? Working with your marketing teams, how do you want to position this this product? Um, so I think just being able to communicate uh, really effectively complex and ambiguous privacy considerations with this diverse set of groups, I think is a key responsibility for any privacy operations program. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as we start to kind of wrap up here, uh, you know, where do you see privacy engineering going in the next five to 10 years? Um, I think privacy engineering will become more mainstream in, in, a, in a variety of different ways, right? Within organizations, I think privacy will start to become solved fundamentally through engineering. Uh, the rate at which new regulations are coming, the differences within these regulations is just not going to be scalable to deal with it just through operations, right? To, and, and through adding people to solving these problems. So I think engineering will become uh, increasingly relied upon to achieve privacy outcomes within organizations. And as that happens, there's an interesting thing that also happens, right? There's a lot of patterns to solve for some of these very problems. So I can see a lot of uh, privacy products start to spring up. We already have a few, uh, but but I'd, I'd expect that there'll be a lot more in that space. Uh, I think in that space today, uh, the, the industry is flooded with compliance type uh, privacy solutions, which come in after the fact. They allow you to data map, allow you to classify data, allow you to uh, enforce policies, etc. But But I still see there's a dearth in the primitives that I talked about, right? Privacy primitives that you can use to bootstrap your your technical stack so that you get a lot of uh, privacy foundational elements uh, out, out of the box for free is an area where I think a lot of the technology industry will gravitate towards where engineering solutions will start to become more mainstream in the privacy space. Yeah, absolutely, and I I, I really am aligned with uh, I think your your vision of uh, where you want to see privacy engineering to go in the next five to ten years. Is there anything else you'd like to share? Um, I think if there's one thought I'd like to leave uh, uh, everyone here, uh, especially the engineering community community, right? Engineers are typically builders. They like to build things and see things work. Uh, whereas solving for privacy requires a little bit of an adversarial mindset. Uh, the importance of every privacy program is to make sure that you don't break the engineer's builder's mindset while solving for privacy. So as you think about engineering solutions, as you think about operational mechanisms, processes to support engineering teams, always bear in mind that you don't want to break the builder's mindset that engineers carry by default. So I think that's one thought that I just uh, believe in a lot and I thought others would benefit from hearing it as well. 
Excellent. Yeah, I think that's a great place to, to leave it. Pramod, thanks so much for coming on the show. Hopefully we can do this again down the road. I feel like there's probably a, a ton of different topics we you know that you would have great insights into. But uh, thanks again and cheers. Thank you so much. I enjoyed being here. <laughs>